Stephen Adair doesn't respond to the news of cyber attacks in the way most people do. Working on interesting breaches is always fun. Stephen is the founder of a cybersecurity firm called Flexity. Basically, if something bad's going on, we'd like to be the ones to work on it. But something crazy or horrible going on is like exciting for us. And back in June, one of his clients called to tell him that they'd been mixed up in a major hack. They're kind of like, you know, prepared for, hey, I got targeted by someone, you know, serious. The breach was serious because it involved the Microsoft Cloud. It's the first and only instance of this within their platform that I'm aware of. The attack seemed to upend the cloud's fundamental promise that it was the safest place in the world to store your data. And while nothing is foolproof, the security of the cloud was built on the common sense idea that letting a powerful IT company with all their cybersecurity experts guard your files would be much safer than leaving your data in-house with your two-person IT team. And now, it turns out, one of the globe's safest data vaults had been breached. Federal agencies are investigating how state-backed Chinese hackers managed to break through Microsoft's security. They say this started in May, and while they didn't specify which organizations were hit... Well, we know it was carried out by a group of Chinese cyber spies, a state-sponsored group of hackers. The breach is the latest in a series of cyber attacks targeting senior U.S. officials. Microsoft revealed right away that China was behind the hack. And specifically, it pointed to a Chinese government-backed group that specializes in espionage. They're known as Storm 0558. And while the idea of Chinese hackers breaking into Western networks is nothing new, this hack was not just business as usual. I'm Dina Templerest, and this is Click Here a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. We tell true stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. And today, we look at one of the blockbuster cyber attacks of the summer, a particularly clever operation that allowed hackers to target victims in the cloud with scary efficiency. I don't want to say impressive, but it is quite a feat. Maybe, I mean, people just don't realize essentially that this could have been much worse. And then, almost accidentally, it revealed a very non-techie problem, an unseen vulnerability in Microsoft's business model. Stay with us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Stephen's client wasn't the only victim of the cloud break-in. Microsoft said the hackers stole emails from about 25 different organizations, including a handful of government agencies. 
everyone was running around in circles, waving their arms because it was such a big deal. Jim Lewis is the director of the Technology and Public Policy Program at CSIS. That's the Center for Strategic and International Studies. It's in D.C. And he spent decades following China's growing cyber prowess. And he's come to believe that who gets targeted can often provide enormous clues about the people behind the attack. And the old rule of thumb still generally works that the Russians want money and the Chinese want IP. IP, intellectual property. Or, just as often, government secrets. Over the past 15 years or so, Chinese hackers have gone after IP aggressively. They've downloaded massive amounts of information from a who's who of corporate America. Names like Westinghouse Electric and U.S. Steel, SolarWorld and Alcoa. They've all ended up in China's cyber crosshairs. On the military side, China is also thought to have exfiltrated specs on the Patriot missile system and the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter. Military officials will tell you that the fact that China's J-31 stealth fighter looks an awful lot like the F-35 is no accident. And Jim Lewis says the cadence of China's attacks is relentless. At any given moment, there's probably some number greater than one of global Chinese cyber espionage campaigns going on around the world. Because China's hackers tend to be either Chinese military or intelligence, Jim says their targets provide clues into what the Chinese government is focused on. And in this case, it was revealing that two government agencies were in their sights. The State Department, which it turns out first brought the breach to Microsoft's attention, and the Commerce Department, which has been behind a roster of sanctions and trade restrictions against China. So, you know, the Commerce Department, as a general matter, I don't think of that as being a really juicy target, necessarily. No, in fact, that's what I used to think in 2008. I thought the, the Chinese are mirror imaging. In, in China, the Ministry of Commerce is a big deal. So here it must be a big deal to mirror imaging. And they were wrong. But what's changed here is Ramundo is the fireball of the administration. and He means Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, who has led the charge to sanction and restrict exports of chips and certain technologies to China. The Chinese are all up in arms about the sanctions and export controls. So, yeah, commerce has become an important uh, target for them. And the timing of these hacks was not coincidental. The attackers broke in in May, just a month before Secretary of State Antony Blinken was set to visit China for high-level talks. And the Commerce Secretary is expected to go to Beijing later this summer, which may explain the timing of the attacks. A standard part of the Chinese playbook for any negotiation is to hack the other side. Why guess what high-ranking officials might say when you sit down to negotiate, when you can just take a look at what they're actually saying in real time beforehand inside their emails? And while it's unsettling to know the Chinese government is hacking unclassified U.S. government email accounts, what might be more troubling is how they did it. In a series of blog posts, Microsoft said Chinese hackers appeared to have found a flaw in the way the cloud authenticated a user. And as best we can tell, here's how it happened. When you type a username and password to log into the cloud, behind the scenes, the system assigns you something called a token. The token works like a kind of temporary ID batch that lets you essentially swipe into the cloud and access your files. The Chinese hackers had found a way to create those tokens. 
and then use them to impersonate just about anyone who was using Microsoft's cloud-based Outlook email and calendar services. They had the ability to create these tokens that would allow them to basically bypass having to provide a using a password multi-factor authentication and kind of the general workflow that a user would have to go through, which means... That's Stephen Adair again. He explained that in most hacks, the difficult part is getting usernames and passwords so you can access files. You might have to trick a user into giving it to you or infect a computer with malware. But that's not what the Chinese hackers did. The genius of it is that they skipped that difficult first step altogether. With the impersonation tokens, they could just march right in and start downloading almost any Outlook 365 file on the cloud. So instead of needing Secretary Raimundo's username and password to get into her account, they just used the token to impersonate her. CSIS's Jim Lewis said you had to give the Chinese credit for figuring it out. So the first reaction was I burst out laughing because really stealing somebody's encryption keys, that's a major deal. And so I thought, whoever those Chinese guys are, they need to, they need to get a medal. But it went beyond just being a clever hack. It was a stealthy one, too. This is probably the first time we ever ran into it where, like, something happened and there's just, there's nothing for us to find. I think this is the only time I can ever think of that. Though the truth is, the Chinese may not have realized just how sneaky they were being. That had to do not with their skill as hackers, but with a problem inside Microsoft's business model itself. When we come back, we'll explain. Politics has never been stranger or more online. Which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. After Stephen got the news that his clients' accounts in the cloud had been breached, he and his team went to work pawing through the logs. It's pretty bread and butter. It's a pretty standard process. We do it all the time. Stephen declined to identify his client, but he did say that Microsoft made clear that this wasn't a broad-based attack. It was surgical. And in the case of Stephen's client, the Chinese hackers targeted just one member of the organization, an employee working on human rights in, you guessed it, China. So Stephen and his team focused on that one employee's account, looking for those little forensic clues that hackers always leave behind. Um, a record for deleting an email or logging in or um, a failed logon event. You're kind of just pouring over everything. Microsoft provided a lead as well. They had identified a specific IP address that appeared to be connected to the hack, and they made that public. So Stephen and his team started there. Have you ever seen it connecting to one of uh, the networks? Does it you know, show up in any number of different places? And what they see in the IP records is exactly what you'd expect. The IP addresses are always the same. It's the office, it's the home, it's the, you know, the, the cell network that their phone is on. I mean, the, you know, the places they're connecting from, what they're doing. So they keep digging, searching for that suspicious address. And they keep coming up empty. There's absolutely no hits for that. So like, that's a, a little bit strange. 
It was like this ghostly thing that hadn't left a trace. You couldn't convince me anything in here is out of the ordinary, and I would never suspect a breach, and I'm looking for one. But it turns out there was a really good reason for that, and it had nothing to do with Stephen's investigation skills or even the Chinese hackers. It was about Microsoft. Microsoft Office went through a big brand overhaul a couple of years ago, and it officially became Microsoft 365 last year. Office 365 really lets us collaborate in real time. Once a client sees it, as part of that rebrand, programs like Excel, Outlook, and Word all came under the 365 umbrella. With Office 365, we can all stay connected from Vietnam to Boston to New York. No more buying individual software apps from an a la carte menu. Now, with a Microsoft 365 license, you got kind of a buffet. It turns out that there was a standard buffet and then a better one. One that for an extra $57 a month per person gives you a kind of premium fare. Things like audio conferencing or advanced threat protection and something called mail items accessed. The mail items accessed operation is part of Microsoft's advanced audit function. It allows you to see more detailed information about what's happening behind the scenes of your Outlook account. The good news was that if you had the premium license with that advanced audit function, it showed you exactly what the Chinese were doing in your system. The government had a premium license, which may be why they were able to detect the intrusion. But unfortunately for Stephen's client, they didn't have the premium license, so he was flying blind. Because if you couldn't spot that malicious IP address, then you needed the complete logs of the compromised email account in order to see how the Chinese got in. Because the attacker didn't log in like normal. They didn't do all these other things. They just came in and started pulling down email. But if Stephen's client had the premium logging package, he would have been able to see someone accessing email. That, that's what we came to learn as to why we were not able to find anything during our investigation. And further bad news, you can't just go ask Microsoft for the premium grade logs after the fact if you weren't a premium subscriber when the attack happened. Stephen said, think of it in terms of a home invasion. You go back to the, the place of the crime and there's a camera on the front door and the back door. In this case, it would be like the camera was at the back door, but you weren't paying the appropriate license level to have it record. So when you went to go look at the footage, there was nothing there. The thing is, this part of the license, the extra logs that reveal this kind of hack, are the sort of thing a chief information officer would think comes standard. The only reason the breach was discovered at all was because several of China's victims did pay for the premium license. So they were organizations that, to use Stephen's metaphor, had the backdoor camera on. I mean, it's super crafty. If you think about it, if this agency hadn't noticed, it would just be another case of ongoing, like, email theft. And it's, it's crafty in the sense that it's completely under the radar. On Capitol Hill, lawmakers are demanding answers. Last week, a number of senators, including Ron Wyden of Oregon, asked the Justice Department to investigate. They want to know whether Microsoft's security practices contributed to the breach. As to whether all of this should make people wary of the promise of the cloud and its alleged gold standard security. I, I think it's a wake-up call even for other providers. So should it shake our confidence in the cloud? I, I, I think it should have our, it should level set confidence. Steven talked to Microsoft about clients having to pay extra to get those security logs. But we kind of said, you know, publicly a bit that 
It'd be really nice if this type of log data was available at the lower log, you know, lower levels, or, or maybe there's a happy medium where the advanced logging is available for some nominal cost and doesn't require um, a higher license level. And Microsoft listened. At the end of July, the company said it would stop locking the security logs behind the monthly plan. They said they'll be available to everyone starting in September. This is Click Here. some of the top cyber and intelligence headlines of the past week. Officials at the NSA are talking to lawmakers about an amendment that would prevent government agencies from tracking U.S. citizens without a search warrant. According to a report in Wired magazine, officials want lawmakers to oppose a measure in the National Defense Authorization Act that would prevent a roster of government agencies from paying companies for data that would otherwise require a warrant, court order, or subpoena. The amendment has already been approved by the House. The Transportation Security Administration, or TSA, has renewed regulations that would require operators of gas pipelines to certify that they've instituted a range of cybersecurity measures to protect their operations. The regulations require, among other things, incident response plans and the creation of a cybersecurity coordinator and the segmentation of computer networks. So if a bad actor gets into one part of a network, they won't have access to everything. TSA put these regulations in place in 2021, after the Colonial Pipeline ransomware attack. Colonial's billing systems were locked up, which caused a week-long run on gasoline on the East Coast. And finally, the Senate Armed Services Committee approved President Joe Biden's nominee to head the U.S. Cyber Command in NSA. Air Force Lieutenant General Timothy Hawk sailed through his nomination hearings, and because no lawmakers have objected to his taking the job, the nomination has been automatically sent to the full Senate. But that's where the trouble begins. Senator Tommy Turberville, an Alabama Republican, has put a hold on the approval of all senior military nominees until the Pentagon reverses its abortion travel policy. The Pentagon said it would provide days off and travel reimbursement for military personnel who have to travel to another state to get reproductive care. Turberville's hold is now affecting some 300 officers, including Army General William Hartman, who's supposed to replace Hawk as the number two at Cyber Command. I'm Dina Templerest. I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director. Will Jarvis is our producer. And Sarah Wyman is our writer-reporter. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Wolkowski. Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking. And our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. And we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts. Or send us an email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com. Check out our website with details about our shows and our whole show catalog at clickhereshow.com. That's a wrap for this week. I'm Dina Templerest. We'll be back on Tuesday.
Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to the record.media.